The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Welcome to another program with Truths to Live By, a ministry of Harriman Baptist Tabernacle in Harriman, Tennessee. You're listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. I pray we would be a blessing to you today. saved us from our sins, our lives are now in God. We desire the Holy Word to order where we trod. All for Christ, yet anything for self we count as dross. We're pilgrims with a crown With our Bibles open today to the book of Luke, chapter number 23, we continue looking at Christ and his cross. We have saw Calvary, the one place which takes care of eternity. We looked last week at Jesus, the Son of God, the one person which takes care of eternity. Today we look to the blood of Christ, even the one payment which takes care of eternity. First a word of prayer, and then we'll look again at Luke 23 and verse 33. Father, I come now in Jesus' name, and I thank you for Calvary, for that place where Jesus died. I'm thankful for your dear Son, even our Lord Jesus. And I'm thankful for the precious blood of Christ, which blood we plead that we might have access into the Holy of Holies into the very presence of God even now. Would you draw sinners unto thyself, I do pray. And Lord, for Jesus' sake and in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Luke 23 and verse 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. Crucifixion brings forth pain. It brings forth suffering. It brings forth blood. And we focused our attention under the first point of the place which is called Calvary. 
we focused our attention then and there upon the spiritual sufferings of Christ and how that during those hours of darkness, Christ our Lord was made to be sin for us. He took our sins in his own body, but the Bible says on the tree. And so on this tree, he was crucified. The spear was thrust in his side. Those spikes were driven into his hands and his feet. That crown of thorns which had been beaten upon his head and the blood rolled down his face and dripped off his nose and chin and ears and fell upon his chest and shoulders and back and ran down and mingled with the dirt and mingled with all the bodily fluids, no doubt all of these things. And we could spend several messages just discussing the physical sufferings of Christ. But those were not the greatest sufferings. He suffered for our sins as our sin when he took our place. But the blood is what God demanded. And so we point out, first of all, the sanctity of blood in the sight of God. In the book of Leviticus, that Old Testament account, third book in our Bible, where the Lord is giving commandments to Israel, actually, he spoke directly to Moses there within the tabernacle, which had just been erected in Exodus chapter 40. And the glory of God descended and abided upon the tabernacle. And God was giving Moses, by divine and direct dictation, the words of the law concerning the offerings. In Leviticus 17, we've come on down through the Day of Atonement in Leviticus 16, but then by Leviticus 17, we find the law of sacrifices. And within this passage of Scripture, our Lord says in Leviticus 17, verse number 10, And whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among you that eateth any manner of blood, I will even set my face against that soul that eateth blood and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it the blood. I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. The blood is sacred in the sight of God. And therefore, we point out that the blood of Christ was sacred and sanctified in the sight of God. 1 Peter 1 and verse 18. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. To be precious means that his blood was valuable. It was honorable. It was dear. It was costly. It was to be esteemed, for it was the blood of God's beloved Son, the dear 
Son of God, gave his precious blood for you and me. And the virtue of the blood upon the altar as the means of atonement is founded in the fact that God said in Leviticus what he demonstrated in Genesis 3 when he slew the animals had to have shed their blood in order to make coats of skins for Adam and Eve there just after the fall in their disobedient state, falling from that place of innocence and from the image and glory of God. I believe they were clothed in that Shekinah light of the glory of God, and they fell from that place. Oh, man fell so far, saw himself naked, saw himself now a sinner with a conscience knowing right and wrong. God slew the life of animals and shed their blood to make coats of skins. And here God states it plainly. God designed it this way. God declared it this way. And nothing but the blood can atone for sin. Christ's blood was spotless and sinless. His blood was precious to God, and it yet is. It's precious to the people of God. It is of infinite value and of eternal worth. But then the shedding of Christ's blood. You're in 1 Peter. Go over to the book of Hebrews with me, please. Chapter number 9. And here we see not only the sanctity of Christ's blood, but the shedding of Christ's blood. Hebrews 9 and verse 22. And almost all things are by the law, purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no Remission. Chapter 10, verse 1 For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Skip down to verse 11. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, praise God, even Jesus, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, thank God it was one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Why? From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. The victory was his. He's just awaiting for all of these things to take place, awaiting for the bride to be completed, awaiting for Israel to be redeemed. He is awaiting for each day on God's prophetic calendar to be completely fulfilled down to every jot and every tittle. The law will come to pass. God's word will never return void, and he will accomplish what he has pleased to accomplish. One sacrifice for sins forever. But not only the sanctity and shedding, but the sprinkling of Christ's blood. Back up to chapter 9 of the book of Hebrews, and we'll look now to verse number 11. But Christ, being come in high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. 
for us. Look down to verse 23. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. But now we close with the sufficiency of Christ's blood. Flip back to Romans chapter number 3 and verse number 25. And here we find that Christ's blood is sufficient. Whom God the Father, whom God hath set forth, speaking of Jesus, God the Father set forth Jesus to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. His blood is sufficient. We're justified by his blood. Romans 3, verse 2, chapter 5, verse 9. Christ made peace through the blood of his cross. Colossians 1 and verse 20. We're made nigh by the blood of Christ. Ephesians 2, verse 13. We have redemption through his blood. Ephesians 1, 7. Colossians 1 and 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Hebrews chapter 9. But then thank God when I see the blood, I will pass over you, said our Lord in Exodus twelve, thirteen. Yes, the blood of Christ is the one payment which can take care of eternity. We thank you for making this ministry a part of your day. And in closing, we want to point you to the words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And truly it is written. God's word, every word, presents us with truths to live by. You've been listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. Please send all correspondence to Truths to Live By, P.O. Box 575, Harriman, Tennessee, 37748. Or you can email us at bmarkcooley at gmail.com. And finally, brethren, pray for us.